0: Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to not go far. I don't know if they already went far, but if they did, maybe somebody could tell them not to go too far, because um, I believe that God wants to continue to use you guys this morning. Um, I think that God is really specific with us this morning as well. So I'm excited to be up here. Um, you guys are going to have to give me some grace. I am seven and a half months pregnant, so i I be out of breath sometimes. <laughs> that walk up here, them two steps, Lord, help me. Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. I appreciate that. Um, but I do believe that God is really specific with us this morning, and he wants to give us um, a word, and I believe that he wanted me to come and encourage you. Um, and so thank you guys for having me. Um, I really enjoy being able to preach in places where people pray, and you would think that that's a given. Um, But it's really hard to um, minister in a place where people haven't opened their hearts first to God. And there's not already that foundation of prayer and inviting God in. And so every time I'm able to come and speak here, it's just evident that this is a school that prays. You know, that these are students who pray and faculty and staff who pray. So I'm really grateful for that because we can cut right in. So let's go to our scripture this morning. Um, We're in Genesis 45. Hey, Jen, shout out, girl. But we're going to be in the Bible, Gen 45. Okay, Genesis 45, 5 says this. It says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is with us. God, we take a second to open our hearts to you. God, to wait to, for our hearts to be in a posture that can receive you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and flood this place. Holy Spirit, I ask that your anointing would be so strong, God, that it would break bondage this morning. I ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come in this room in the name of Jesus that you would meet with us, that you would commune with us, that those places that feel untouched by you would come and be restored by the Master. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reign, that you would walk into the room, and that you would govern this hour. We thank you, Father, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that God wants to encourage you guys this morning. There's some of you, and this may not be for everyone today, and that's okay, but there's some of you who are in a season of suffering. But what God wants you to know is that your specific suffering today is a season, and it's not a lifestyle. That the suffering that God has allowed you to walk through is just a season. That there's an end date to it, and it's not a lifestyle for you. Sometimes we believe that this is just the hand that we've been dealt, that maybe God just gave me a bad hand and this is just something that's going to be my life. But God wants you to know today that it's not, it's a season. Your suffering is a season, it's not a lifestyle. And sometimes we have to go through this season because of what God wants to show us. I believe that he wants to give us abundant life. I truly believe that God wants us to prosper. I think he wants us to live in freedom and in joy and in peace and in health and in life and prosperity. But sometimes... We have to go through a season of suffering. The thing is, when we go through a season of suffering, it can produce a certain level of humility in us that we're going to need for the journey. What humility really is, is it's really just being submitted to God. Sometimes we see humility as a way that we interact with other people. But what humility really is, is how we interact with God and our submission to him and our cooperation to his plan. So when we're submitted to God and we have that humility, then it flows out to other people. So humility is a heart posture towards God, and that's something that we need. We need this humility, and suffering has a way of getting us to this humble place with God. Sometimes we also have to go through a season of suffering because of the perseverance that we get through it. So that when we're old and when we're maybe in our 70s or 80s and our 90s, we can still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we're still in the house of God at that age because we've learned the art of perseverance because suffering produces perseverance. So we can still endure because of this suffering. It it gives us this grit, right? It gives us this little bit of edge so that when more hard seasons come, we still know how to persevere. And at the end of our life, we can truly say, blessed be the name of the Lord because he carried me because he walked with me, because he communed with me. Sometimes suffering has to develop something in your character. And character development is really important. And it's really important too, specifically for ministry, because sometimes God will allow you to walk through suffering in silence and he'll let you go through that dark place so that when you do step out into the light, you're not exposed. Sometimes we see that. We see people who are um, proclaiming God, but they haven't developed a level of maturity yet. So when that light comes and then people start to see them, also what they start to see is their sin exposed publicly. And then we start to see people who um, are breaking down different churches. And we say, why? We thought they were a great man of God. We thought they were a great woman of God. Well, maybe they're on the way to that, but there's still something in their character that God has to get out. And suffering will allow you to get that thing. And it's the grace of God to allow you to develop in the darkness. So don't despise that place. Don't despise that place of darkness because God is using that. He's using that for his purpose. Also, sometimes we have to go through suffering so that we can see that it is God who sustains us. So that we can have this level of trust with the master. So we can have this level of trust with our savior. So that we can know that our foundation is solid. That our foundation is firm. We can say, yep, the wind came. Yep, the storm came. Yep, I walked through that, but it is God who sustains me. It is God who kept me. It's God who anchored me right here, and even though the suffering was tough, and even though it was hard and I didn't understand it, now I know God, though. You can't tell me anything when it comes to my God because I know what he did for me. So the suffering is a season, but in that season we develop so much character, so much dependence on God, so much perseverance. It is in that season Sometimes you have to go through a season of suffering that is God-ordained. So let's go back to our scripture. I want to read it again, Genesis 45, 5. It says, and now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now, this story is talking about Joseph. Many of us know the story of Joseph, but if you don't, he was called at a very young age. He was called to do great things, like many of you in this room. He was called at a young age, and the Lord showed him by giving him a dream. Let's read it. It comes from Genesis 37, 5 through 8. And this is what it says. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So the vision for Joseph was even bigger than what he knew, right? If you're you're familiar with this story, you see that he had this dream that, that, that things were bowing down to him, that he would rule one day. But that dream was even bigger than what he knew. Some of you in this room, you have a vision. And that vision is so large. That vision is so big that other people can't understand it. But maybe you don't even understand it also. That vision that God has put on your heart is specific and it's unique. And it's not everybody, but there's some people in this room that God has given you something. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to other people and it doesn't make sense to you. But know that the process that you will go through to get to that vision will be bigger than what you thought. Bigger than what you knew. Bigger than what you prepared for. It's not even your vision. It's God's God's vision and he's responsible for it but I'm glad today that God is very responsible. He's more responsible than I am. Joseph had to go through a process. He had to go through a season of enduring. So what happened was Joseph ended up being sold into slavery by his brothers. But when he got to Egypt, Potiphar, a leader in Egypt, noticed that the favor of God on his life. He noticed it right away, so he elevated him. Someone else noticed Joseph too, Potiphar's wife she noticed something about him as well. Because when you're called by God, you have to be a little bit careful. Because people probably will notice the favor of God in your life, but it's what's in their heart that will come out and project itself onto you. So Potiphar, he was, he was more concerned with fame and wealth and status. So when he saw that Joseph was successful, that came out of his heart and he elevated him, right? To a place to where that could benefit him. What Potiphar's wife had in her heart was perversion. And what perversion really is is just a a misuse of someone, a misuse of something. It's misuse and abuse. So what she saw is she saw something that was delightful to her, and she wanted to use that gift for herself because that's what's inside of her. So we would do well to discern where people are at in their hearts when they identify our gift, when they see the vision. We would do well to take a second and step back and say what's in their heart Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God will show us and he'll give us clues. But when you have that vision that you're trying to protect and that calling from God, you'll see how other people respond to you and you'll be able to identify what's in your heart and use that wisdom to maneuver. His brothers had hate in their heart and that showed up as well. So through all this, through his brothers selling him into slavery through him becoming elevated in Egypt. And then after that, when Potiphar's wife tried to make a pass at him and he denied her, he ended up in prison. I want to stop here. I don't want to blow past the fact that Joseph was in prison. Like, sometimes we reread the scripture and we're like, okay, and then he was sent to prison for two years, and then, and then the cupbearer, and then the baker. The, no, he was in prison. And some of you in this room, depending on where you're at, know that low point. Maybe not a, an actual prison, bless God, hopefully, but a spiritual and, and, and maybe sometimes a, a confinement that feels like it in your heart and in your soul. You, you know that low point. You know that pit. You know that, that confusion where you say, I thought God had a plan for me and I thought that we were on this trajectory, but all of a sudden I ended up here. I don't know how that happened. God told me that I would rule and that I was a leader. And God told me that these things would happen, but now I ended up here and I don't know how I got there. It's a place that we often forget the journey that God has us on. It's in that place that we often forget the call of God in our lives, the things that he said about us, the purpose that he has for us, the passion that he has for us. It's in that place where your prison can become magnified. So some of us are stuck in that place for two years, three years, four years, two weeks, six months. We're stuck in that place Where all of a sudden our depression now has us confused on what God said about us. Or our mother wound or our father wound now has us confused about what it was that God said about us. That's that place right there where we have to say, somehow this suffering must work itself into what God has for me. Somehow, because of who God is and because of who I know that he is, somehow this must work together for my good. Some of us get so locked into that place. But I want you guys to know that you are on a journey with Elroy. Elroy is the God who sees, the God who sees you, and the God who will rescue you from your suffering, because that's the God he is and that's the God he showed us to be. You're on a journey with the God who saw the Israelites in slavery. You're on a journey with the God who saw Hagar in the wilderness waiting for her and her child to die. You're on a journey with that God who saw her. You're on the journey with the God who saw Haman's Haman's, um, plan to kill the Jews. You're on the journey with the God who sees, the God who saw Daniel, the God who saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're with that God who saw them. You're with the God, and you're on a journey with God who saw Joseph in prison. And cause the cupbearer to remember him and bring him out of that place. The God who saw the leper, the demon-possessed, the sick, and the blind. And I want to stop there for a second. Do you realize what it means for God to see a blind person? The blind person could not see Jesus. But Jesus saw him. And sometimes our circumstances disallow us to see Jesus. Because we're so, we're so blinded by whatever it is that God is so shaken up. We're blinded by those things. But even when you're blind, God still sees you because he is the God who sees. When you're so deep in the pit, God will come to you. After you've suffered for a little while, though, right? Because that's what Peter tells us. After you've suffered for a little while, he will rescue you. And he always has a plan for rescue. He always has a plan for rescue. Even before he allows you to walk into that suffering, he has a plan for rescue. God knows how much suffering is necessary for you. It's, um, I, I really love that they played that song, Never Lost. At the beginning of my pregnancy, I was very sick. Very, very sick. I had a really rare pregnancy condition that um, caused me to not be able to eat or drink water for months. And um, so I got really weak and couldn't walk for a while, could barely hold conversations. I was in a very, very dark place um, physically and and mentally and spiritually. Couldn't get out of bed for about 60 days. And um, it was that song that I played. That I just I had to I, I had to get it in my spirit. I couldn't even really pray or read my Bible if I'm being honest. I was just so disoriented and so sick, and anytime I moved, I felt like I would just vomit. Like it was just a bad situation. But I played that song just to remind my spirit that Jesus has broken the curse, that He's never lost a battle, that somehow this suffering is temporary and it has an end date. That it, I may be going through this now. This may be my current reality today. It might be scary. It might be scary for me and people around me. It might be scary for my baby. But I know that this suffering has an end date because I know who my God is. And we've walked through these things before. We've walked through suffering together before. So I know that God will deliver me from this also. I want to read this scripture one more time, Genesis 45. It says, and now, this is Joseph talking, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. When Joseph got out of prison, he was out to interpret a dream for the Pharaoh, right? So he had a dream and in that dream, Joseph was able to interpret that. What that meant was that there was seven years of abundance coming into Egypt and the land around, but also there was seven years of famine that were to follow So they were going to go into this great season with great crops and abundance. But then after that, there would be nothing. And it would be very scary for the people on earth. So had Joseph's brothers not sold him into slavery, he wouldn't be in Egypt. If he wasn't in Egypt, he wouldn't be there to interpret the dream. If there was no interpretation of the dream, then who would have been the person that would be able to see those seven years of famine coming and gather the abundance so that those people could be sustained throughout that famine? Who would have been the person who would have saved multiple people in that land and the regions around it? Not only did God use Joseph to save the lives of the people of Egypt, but save his own life and his brothers and in his family. People were coming from all over to come to Egypt because they heard there was food there. But had God God not used him, had God not seen this plan through, Joseph's whole family would have died. So they thought they were killing him. What they really were doing, what God was using that to save them. To save themselves. And who does that remind you of? That when we thought that we were crucifying this man. That what he was really doing was using that to save us. God has a plan he is intentional with you he knows what he's doing God has a plan and if I could say anything to Joseph in that moment God has a plan in that moment of of when he was in prison when he was in darkness and that moment when he was in the pit when his brother sold him into slavery God has a plan for you and the suffering is but a season so Joseph may have just thought, okay, look, listen, I'm, I'm called to do great things. And sometimes when we're young and when we're, we're not as mature in our faith, that's how we walk around. I'm called. I'm called to do great things. I'm going to be on stages. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be the top of my class, the top of my field, the best doctor, the best this. That's great. I, I love that for you. I would like for you to keep that. Keep that energy because there's nothing worse than someone who's like, oh, I suck at everything. You know, like I'd rather you be on the other end because please, pull it together. But sometimes we, in that, we have to go through a process to where that language starts to shift from, with God on my side, I cannot lose. God in me, God has a plan that I'm not even fully aware of, but I'm going to take the next step. And I kind of know because I can kind of see what God is doing, but I'm not fully sure, so I'm going to take the next step. The next step may, take like a, like, may, may feel like I'm stumbling or like I'm falling or like I'm going lower, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to stay in that place and I'm going to take the next step. And when God calls me out and when he sees that I'm ready and when he sees the perseverance that I've developed and he's seen that character and he's seen that my character is strong enough to hold the weight of the call, then we take the next step. But he knows what he's doing. God is very wise. He's not foolish at all. He knows what he's doing with you. So go through the process. If I could title this message, that's what it would be. Go through the process. Go through the process with someone trustworthy. Your dream and your call and the vision is bigger than you. It may come with suffering, but it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. Can I have the worship team come up? God-permitted suffering is going to prepare you. God-permitted suffering is going to keep you. There's staying power in the suffering. God-permitted suffering is going to protect you. How do we know this? Because Jesus showed us how to endure the ultimate suffering. He showed us that there's a process. We don't have a high priest that can identify with our weakness. He showed us this is how you suffer and this is how you suffer well and how this suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. I I believe we're not on earth for no reason. I I just don't think that God will put us here for nothing. I believe that he has a plan for every single one of you. And I believe that he'll reveal that vision to you in time. And some of you, he already has. And for some of you, your lifestyle doesn't seem like it adds up to the vision that God has, but know that you're on a journey. Can we have some uh, keys, please? I remember um, when I was a youth pastor for six years, I had parents come up to me all the time. My kid is, oh, they're just in this, and my kid won't come out of their room, and they don't talk, and their head is always low, and, you know, I don't know what they're doing on their phone, and and, and this, and they got in trouble in school, and it's just always, you know, the distress. My kid is this. My kid is that. And... not being a parent, the only thing I could tell them was that they're on a process. They're on a journey. And God sees them. Because I remember when I was the teenager who was in my room with the door closed, depressed and sick and scared and angry and mad and hurt and, and betrayed. But it was God who stepped into my room one day. And he told me that if you don't withhold anything from me, if you don't withhold the pain, the pain of the breakup, the pain of of the broken family, the pain and the confusion and the striving, if you don't withhold that from me, then I can come into that place and I can heal you. And God met with me by myself. It wasn't a youth pastor who prayed with me at the time. It wasn't my pastor at the church. It was God who walked into my room one day. And his goodness and his his grace for me, he revealed who he was. And he invited me to come on this process with him and come on this journey. And so you can know wherever you're at, if you're submitted to God, then you're going to be okay. Okay. If your life is God's and if you follow him, then you're going to make it because there's a process that he's taking you through. We get so wrapped up with our issues and with our sin and with the things that like um, like one of the students said today, feeling like this bondage has you. Right. You feel like, but God can't use me because of this. And I'm bound to this thing. And I don't understand how the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm walking in the spirit, aren't I? I'm trying, aren't I? I'm here. I'm in chapel. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. How am I still struggling with this thing? But the sovereign Lord has you on a process. And in due time, he will rescue you. He has has an exit plan for you already. You just have to trust and trust his character and just know him. Hebrews 12, two through three says this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him in your suffering. Consider him because he knows the suffering. He knows the pain, he knows the season. So friends, go through the process and know that there is a trustworthy God who will walk with you. He will not let you slip. The moment that I reached out and took God's hand and I decided to go on that journey with him at 17 years old, we've been through a process. I felt like sometimes God crushed me. I felt like sometimes God would would was um, harsh with me. Because of my upbringing in a very um, religious environment, I thought he was angry with me. But I went through the process and I was able to see him and know him for myself. If you ever notice the process that olives go through or that um, grapes go through to make wine, you'll notice that one of the most important parts of that process is the moment that they're squeezed. They're squeezed, right, for everything that's in them. And with olives specifically, the more intense, the more intensely that they're squeezed, the purer that oil comes out the more pure olive oil you get at the end. There's a difference between virgin oil and extra virgin olive oil. And the the difference is the pressing process. So just know that when God is in that place where you feel like you're being squeezed for everything that you are, just know that that oil that's going to come out is so pure and that anointing that God will place on your life is so pure and it's so powerful that you may be able to walk into a room one day and all of a sudden chains break. And it's not you. It's because of what God has done through you. Because you've seen that I have nothing to give. It's only God who can work through me now. God had broken the pride off of me. He's broken the fear off of me. He's broken the the people pleasing. the, The fear of man. So what now is there? There's the purest oil. There's the purest anointing. And that anointing is necessary because why else are we here? but to show the love of Jesus, but to show everyone who he is before we we get taken home. What do I have to give that Christ can't give more through me? So go through the process because he's trustworthy. And that pressing and that squeezing may feel harsh, but then sometimes it may feel like a hug. God might hug you so tight. And that compassion is so rich and so deep that all the impurities are just flooded away. And everything, anything that's left is the purest oil. On the other side of this, on the other side of this suffering, you will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. So I want to close, but I want to give you guys time to respond. Can you sing that song again? Thank you. Um, I want her to sing um, Never Lost. That was beautiful. You are so anointed. That was, that was amazing. Um, but if you, if you feel like you're in that place where you just need a touch from God, it's been hard, it's been tough, just stay for a few minutes and let, let the Lord speak to you. I want to also invite the, um, if there's anyone who's able to pray, any prayer team members, can you guys come up and be available? But I just want to give you guys space. If you're in that season of suffering and you say, God, I need to experience you today. I know you have a plan for me, but I need to experience you today. I need that comfort. I need that squeeze. I need that hug. The altars will be open for you. Let's take a second to pray. And while I pray, please feel free to come forward and get prayer. God, we honor you. We worship you, God. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness. God, for the students in here today who need a touch from you, who need that that hug from you, Lord God, who need to see that the suffering will be worth it, God, I ask that you would just Touch their hearts, Lord God, in only the way that you know, in only the way that you can. God, I ask that you would increase our faith today. God, that you would move in these students' lives in a way that only you can. God, that when you've taken them on this process, Lord God, they will be used in mighty ways to advance the kingdom of Christ and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. If you're still here, I'm going to ask you to stand up and worship with us. And if you want prayer, please come forward.